Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's episode, we're going to be joined by our co-host, Wesley Perkins. And we're also going to be joined by a very special guest. We're going to be joined by Roy Flores, who's a freelance Spurs reporter for the Associated Press. We're going to recap game four and we're going to preview game five. So let's dive in here. And Roy, anything good you got to say about game four? I mean, it was it was pretty horrible, man. What do you think happened in this game to get the Spurs out of sorts? Yeah, well, you know, we've seen it all season long. We've seen this heckle in uh, Jekyll and Hyde uh, from the Spurs uh, where one game they look, you know, unstoppable and, and the next game they're, they're losing to teams that, that they typically shouldn't lose to. Um, and, and, you know, people have to understand that that's the league and you're going to lose some games uh, here and there to, to non-playoff teams or whatever. But especially down the stretch – uh, of the season, you saw them them losing games that uh, typically you could have marked on the calendar as as a victory, uh, and which left them in the number seven spot uh, because of it. And so, uh, you know, you look at game four, and and they they started out well, obviously, um, and built that twelve point lead, uh, but then for whatever reason, that the under pops uh, tutelage. Uh, Defense leads to offense. So if you make your defensive stops, or, or if you're if you're pressuring defensively, you're able to run your offense a lot more smoothly. You get into a rhythm. You get into a pace, and the the Nuggets were disrupting that um, with some exceptional shooting. I mean, they just they shot really well, uh, and and too many times, too often, uh, the Spurs weren't contesting the shot tight enough. You know. They sh- Yes, they're going to hit shots if, they, if they're shooting well. But they weren't getting that hand in the face. They, they were a step or a half step too slow in pressuring the shooter or, you know, getting cutting off a pass or, or whatever it may be. They, defensively, they were just a half step step off from the second quarter on. And, you know, you saw the result. Denver... Was was running and gunning. Spurs could get into no rhythm, um, and I asked Demar Derozan after the game. I said, you know, that there, there seemed to be this lack of urgency. What was it? And his first comment was, "You have to give Denver credit. They played this game like it was do or die. It was a must must win situation for them, and they played like it." And Basically saying Spurs didn't. And that's basically what it boiled down to, that intensity, that fire in the gut. Uh, because both teams are talented. Both teams have the, the ability to win a game. We've seen that. It's been one win uh, each way. Spurs, Denver, Spurs, Denver. And until the Spurs get that, that fire in the gut where they just, you know, that proverbial we wanted more, you know, it it's a it's a coin toss and and this series could go either way yeah you know i'm gonna go ahead and ask you your opinion on one thing in particular uh but before i do that i totally agree with you um because i saw the same thing roy when i was there watching the game i thought that the spurs uh defensively they were giving too much space to the denver nuggets they were closing them uh as tight and as quickly as Mm -hmm. they should have uh they they had enough space to get a shot off 
and it was uh, they got a little too comfortable i think is what happened the 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 spurs didn't really pressure them as they should have and it gave the shooters confidence and they were shooting with confidence and they were knocking down their shots even if they you know by chance the spurs closed that gap a little bit and had a hand in their face on the rare occasion uh denver was just in a rhythm they had everybody firing in all cylinders from an offensive standpoint and they could do no wrong they got hot they got confident yeah and unfortunately the spurs just couldn't match that intensity i feel in the second third and especially in the fourth quarter by then the game was well in hand and the you know the spurs fans kind of felt that uh the spurs weren't playing with that sense of urgency but beyond that it was quite uh, a predicament because and, and it was quite quite confusing because coach pop decided to sit lamarcus for the fourth quarter he didn't he didn't play him and i was kind of wondering why do you think that was yeah there 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 was no explanation for that uh, after the game, you know, we asked Lamarcus, "Hey, you sat out the, the that fourth quarter. Uh, what happened?" He says, "I just didn't go in. Pop just didn't put me in." So something happened there that that Pop saw. Uh, maybe it was you know that lack of intensity. It was that that focus to detail that that Pop looks for. Um, but you were getting that from from almost everybody. You know that that. Uh, I don't want to call it lack of effort because uh, they're all out there trying. Um, but the level of effort that is given um, from from each individual player, uh, it, it could very well have been that Pop saw something that, that LaMarcus just wasn't doing. And he said, fine, I'm, I'm going to sit you. Uh, because the game was not out of reach. Uh, when LaMarcus went out, uh, you know, it was still a 10 or 12 point lead somewhere around there going into the fourth quarter and, you know, was, was very well within reach, uh, at, at that point. So what pop saw and, and what caused pop to, to, to make that decision, uh, you know, that's between pop and, and LaMarcus and we're never going to know because, uh, those are the kind of things that the pop will never talk about. You know, he'll yeah. give you the straightforward answer. I just chose not to. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I think that's all we're going to wind up getting out of him. But <clears throat> I kind of suspect that it might have been due uh, to probably his intensity on the defensive end. Because if I look at what LaMarcus did in game four, he had 24 points on the night. He had two mm -hmm. steals. He had a block. He had nine rebounds. And he was doing okay. I guess maybe Pop had an uh, – maybe – a bone to pick with him on the defensive end for whatever reason. And he just felt that matchup wise, maybe, or, you know, like you said, maybe yeah. we'll never know there was something right. out there that he liked more, or he thought would help the Spurs win this game. Uh, no. if he, he rested LaMarcus. So yeah, we'll never know and, for and, sure. Yeah. And, and you can't pin it on, on one player. I think yeah. that, that, that intensive, that defensive intensity, uh, was, was across the board from the entire oh, yeah. team, which, which allowed the the Nuggets to get into rhythm, to get into the pace that they needed, and and when you get that rhythm going, when you've got that pace, uh, the shots just start falling. You know, you, you're just getting into this rhythm where you know, the, it, even if if the defense is closing in on you, you're putting up a shot and it and it's going in. There's a level of confidence that that builds with each basket and 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 that momentum. Uh, and it's and it's hard to regain it once you lose it. 
yeah, that it was. And unfortunately for the Spurs, they were just never able to fully recover. Um, so let's go ahead and get what, uh, you know, Wesley's perspective here. Wesley, I know that you were a diehard Spurs fan and you were watching this game. What do you think or what did you see in this game that you'd like to talk about and let us know, you know, hey, what happened with the Spurs? Yeah, well, I think both of you are hitting the nail on the head when we talk about some of the effort things. And, and you know, I think Roy says it best. It, you, it's hard to question effort. It, it, obviously, you can't measure that. Um, we know that they're out there, like you said, they're out there trying and, and, and wanting to do well. But it just one of the, it was just one of those weird days where mid-afternoon game and they just didn't have it. Um, they had it early on, and I and I thought that, uh, ironically, I don't know, this is going to sound really dumb, but um, the Spurs almost need to be uh, not ahead by double digits in this series because it seems like every time they get up double digits, it's a danger zone for them. Uh, but um, no, but I, I think part of the thing with with what I saw was uh, just how quickly they lost their poise. And, hmm. you know, that that part of it just was beyond frustrating. I'm sure anybody watching the game that was there live, too, could see it. It's not anybody slumping or, or, or their shoulders slung, slumping and, you know, you think, well, they're done. They're not going to they're not going to have a chance. It's just that I think we see this right now. The bench is really struggling. And because they're not seeing the ball go in the basket, the Nuggets, when they see that bench unit come in right now, they're looking their chops. Uh, they're they're absolutely ready to play, and and the guys coming off the bench are just annihilating ours. And and again, I think there's a little too much jump shooting, a little too much stand around, try to get my own shot going on with this Spurs team right now, and and not that mentality of hey, I'm going to get to the basket, you're going to foul me. When we saw them early in the second quarter, the shots weren't falling for the Spurs, but if you remember, they were getting to the free throw line at a pretty good clip, and yep. I thought that was a huge thing. But they went away from that. And what you saw was almost, this is just my take, and I, I have no way to truly prove this, but it almost seemed like the guys were so intent on helping the bench guys get going that they lost their way. And, you know, it just, instead of making the simple play, we talked about this before, the simple pass, um, the simple help, you know, those types of things on defense even, uh, you know, and, and, you know, going on that side of the ball for just a second, just watching kind of what you guys had said, there was a lot of closeouts with hands down, which is just just unforgivable as a defender. You cannot approach somebody with your hands down. Nobody, you're going to do nothing with your hands down. You know, you get those hands up in the air, you run at that defender, you chase them off that three point line, and you you have your help teammate there on those pick and rolls to 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 you know be there to to step up. But you know, on the offensive side, I just thought that the Spurs got too comfortable just, you know, firing jump shots and the Nuggets would come down and, and punish them for doing that. And, you know, one other thing, guys, and I and I, I love to get your take on this. I thought that while it frustrates us all, Pop sending the messages that he does to his players, always coaching, always unafraid to do the things like benching LaMarcus when he doesn't feel like that his effort is what it needs to be or if, the, if that's not even a thing, but it, that there's something there. Uh, that that's huge, especially in the playoffs. I mean, a lot of coaches wouldn't have the guts to do that. But one of the things I got to give Coach Malone a lot of credit for on that Denver bench was he t he tweaked his lineup. Uh, he he put Barton on the bench, which in any case, if you are not used to that, a player could easily pout. And instead, it ignited him. You know, Barton came off the bench. He scored like 13, 14 points. He was a factor. 
And I thought that, you know, obviously Craig, who started in that lineup, the length bothered the Spurs quite a bit. So, you know, those are the things I took away from it. I, I think, though, when it's all said and done, we all feel like we're losing this series at this point, being the Spurs. But in reality, it's two to two. There's been some ebbs and flows. Uh, the Nuggets got hot. They made a lot of shots that they weren't making in games one through three. And so if you're the Spurs, you got to focus on the things that you have to do now defensively, as, as Roy was saying, as you were saying, Joe, about how you close, about how you're helping. And you've got to focus on the fundamentals at this point and not worry so much about, you know, my game is going, my game's not going. Everybody who's out there on the floor can contribute some way, somehow. And they just got to get back to playing team ball. Yeah, that they do. I think what happens a lot with the Spurs is when they're sharing that ball and that ball movement is out there uh, and it's looking quite good at times, you know, they're getting the ball moving from, from left to right. They're kind of spreading out the, the Denver Nuggets a little bit and they're able to shoot in the flow of the game, you know, or they're able to dump the ball inside to LaMarcus in the paint and he's able to get to the rim and either he's going to go ahead and try to get a, an easy, you know, two points by, you know, going ahead and uh, getting a, a real good look, a quality look at that um, and either shooting a jump shot or he's going to go in for, you know, a little layup. Or he'll get fouled and he'll go and shoot free throws, which is great for the Spurs because they're one of the better or the best, I believe, in free throw shooting league, uh, free throw shooting team right now in the postseason. So you like to see that type of effort from the Spurs. But when they start getting away from that ball movement and they start falling back on hero balls, what I call it, and it's a lot of isolation plays. You know, I don't like the isolation plays and shooting the the ball. It seems like at times too early into the clock. I think the Spurs need to utilize the shot clock to their advantage. If you know, you know, you still have a lot of time left on the clock. Look for a good quality shot. You don't have to necessarily settle for a quick three and then, you know, trying to get a long rebound that can go quickly the other way in Denver's favor. And then they're in the, an open court situation where Denver can just basically run the, you know, run the Spurs out of the building. Um, I don't really think that that plays into the Spurs offensive scheme i think that plays into denver's offensive scheme i'd like to see yeah. the game slow down a little bit more and i just need the spurs to to be a little bit more patient so i i, I just you know you got to credit though denver and what they've been able to do it, it is a tied series and i believe the spurs can win in denver I, it'd be interesting to see what they do in game five because the spurs already won there once you know i believe they can win there again what do you think roy yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you talk about slowing down the game a little bit. I, I think you have two great players that thrive with the isolation play in DeMar and LaMarcus. The key to that is constant movement from the rest of the team yes. and clearing out. Uh, you Too often you see a, a guy draw in his defender, which impedes the isolation play. And now all of a sudden you've got two defenders on on the ball uh, because one of one of the offensive player one of the Spurs offensive players has has drawn in his defender into the play. The key is draw your your defender as far away from that isolation play as possible. Demar driving to the basket can be a beast, but he's got to want it and he's got to make sure that those guys are clearing out that space for him. Um, because again, it's all about pace, pace, pace. And if the Spurs get 
in that pace. They've got they've got the legs for it uh, with with Brynn and with uh, uh, Derek White uh, and and Demar. Uh, you know they've got the speed to 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 run uh, to speed things up a little bit. Uh, but you've got to run the right plays. When you slow down the game, it lets the defense just get, you know, uh, it's set. Uh, and and too many teams now know what those set plays are. Uh, and and it's, it's an easier read than for the defense than if, if you're coming at them hard, uh, you know, setting the right pick, clearing out the defender, and letting either LaMarcus or uh, DeMar, uh, you know, uh, get as close to the basket and, and take, you know, something inside six feet, uh, anything, you know, six feet or closer, or, you know, to the basket. And uh, that that is what seemed to have worked in games one and three for the Spurs where they were where they were running. Um, you know, can they win in Denver again? Absolutely. I think they sh- they've shown this entire series that they can that they can beat Denver. Um you know, they, they lost game two, a game that they shouldn't have. Uh, game four, uh, I think Denver just, you know, really felt that if they went down 3-1, um, they weren't going to rebound from it. You know, trying to beat a team three times in a row was going to be a tough task. Uh, and, and they were just a little bit hungrier than than the Spurs. Uh, I think this is a wake-up call. I think LaMarcus getting benched. Uh, is going to be a wake-up call for him. You know, you were talking about, uh, Wes, you were talking about uh, uh, Barton getting getting benched. And, um, you know, we asked Malone about that after the game. And he said, you know, I, I took I took him aside and I told him, I said, look, uh, I, I'm not doing this because I, I think you're a bad player. I'm doing this because I think you can help us off the bench and help that second unit get us running and doing so he played the psychological game with him, and he told him how he felt that he would be more effective coming off the bench because ultimately what he wants to do is what's best for the team. And Barton bought into that, and look what he gave you, 13 points, three three-pointers three you know, that, that uh, were clutch at, at clutch points in the game. Uh, so, you know, does LaMarcus respond the same way? We, we hope so. Um, and it's, it, you know, Definitely a tall order uh, to go into Denver and, and win a second time, especially when you haven't been a good road team. But the Spurs have shown in all four games that they have the ability to beat the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Hey, Roy and Joe, let, let me interject this real quick. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm kind of one, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, Roy. I kind of want the Spurs to tweak their lineup a little bit. And I know it's, you know, you don't want to do too much because you you have guys that you know what their skill level is. You know who they play best with. And at this point, you know, Pop is great at that. He understands the chemistry and where it's best, uh, you know, more so than fans. If fans are fickle, right? If fans will tell you we need to bench this player or this player or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the more the more I see of this, this Spurs team against this Nuggets team, it just seems like, LaMarcus and Pirtle get tired out underneath. And, uh, and I, I get it. I mean, what doesn't get enough run right now is the game of Plumlee, uh, who is just just a thorn, just that, that – it's like that pesky bee that just won't go away. Uh, and he's just kind of, you know, him and Craig and those guys who crashed those offensive boards, the, the second chance points the other night were just huge. And I'm kind of wondering if maybe the Spurs don't tweak this lineup a little bit and go at times a little bit more – LaMarcus at the center, 
more of a four guard, even with the Rudy Gay in there at, at your power forward kind of lineup, get a little bit more athleticism and give LaMarcus a little bit more space, but also save Pirtle so that at the end of the game, you can go with your, your, your big dogs and have the, uh, have the physicality to be able to match up and, uh, and maybe claim some of those, those rebounds where they really need them and limit those offensive uh, you know, putbacks. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that that would be uh, something that definitely Pop will look at. I'm sure he'll look at all all the possibilities that he can to get him the upper hand because it's basically like a chess match. You know, Pop's going to tweak something in the lineup. We don't know exactly what that might be at this point in time. We're just uh, making a, a, a best guess. You know, that's one of the scenarios I'm sure that, you know, Coach Pop will definitely have to go and revisit and look at closely. Um, another one is... They were saying, you know, if Rudy Gay isn't really giving you much in this series, uh, we don't know really, you know, if he's just going through a shooting slump. It could be matchup problems. He's just not getting in rhythm because of the Denver uh, Nuggets defense. They, the fans have been asking, what would it look like or what would it hurt if we could have Derek White and Lonnie Walker on the floor at the same time? I know Spurs fans love Lonnie Walker. I like Lonnie. I think he's going to be a great player uh, in the coming years. Uh, but Coach Pop ne doesn't necessarily really play a lot of rookies. He did with, Ka with Kawhi at, at one point in time, but I don't think he will do that with Lonnie Walker. What are your thoughts on that, Roy? I, I want to see what you what you got to think, what you got to say about this. Yeah, he's he's got to figure out what what to do to light a fire under Rudy. Uh, I think for Rudy, I think it's more psychological than anything because he's getting some really uh, clean, open looks that he's just missing, and and they're you know they're rimming out. He's hitting the back of the rim uh, with his with his jumper that hit that had been you know pretty solid all season, uh, and and it goes back to you know that getting in rhythm, um, and once you get out of rhythm, it, it just like it it snowballs from there, uh, and. You know, whether that means, you know, injecting him into the starting lineup uh, and, and bringing Pirtle off the off the bench, um, you know, maybe that works. As far as Lonnie Walker, I, I don't see Pop going to him just yet. Uh, I, you know, I, I look at Derek White, DeJounte Murray, and Lonnie Walker, and I think four or five years from now, we're going to be talking about that that trio, and Lonnie Walker is going to be the one that stands out the most. I, I think he has the most star potential out of that, that trio that, that the Spurs have up and coming, uh, not to take anything away from DeJounte Murray, because I think he's going to be fantastic. It's an incredible defender. Uh, but there's just something special about Lonnie Walker that once, once he finds his, his groove and once he understands you know, the, the full pop system, man, that guy is going to be phenomenal, but he's just, he's not ready. Uh, and I don't think pop thinks he's ready. Um, you know, if you ask Lonnie, you know, of course he's going to tell you, he wants to be in, <laughs> he, he wants to be in the lineup. Uh, but th there's just little nuances still that, that he's got to learn, uh, about the game and, and the offense and where to be there. There's times where, you know, he, he looks fantastic. And then times where, where you see a play coming down and and you spot him and he's he's not in the right place or he's you know he's a half step behind where he needs to be and uh, or just little things like that uh 
you know, that that to the the naked eye, you're not going to spot right away. But when you go back and look at film, uh, you know, was he where he needed to be uh, on every play? And you look at those championship teams that the Spurs have had in the past. Everybody was always where they needed to be. And guys would throw passes without even looking because they knew exactly where the player was going to be. Uh, nine times out of ten. And somebody was at that spot where they were supposed to be. And, and that's why that, that those offenses moved with such fluidity. It was, you know, it, you know uh, against the, the Miami Heat, uh, you know, when they won the championship. Man, that, that, that fluid motion was just something beautiful to see because everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing at ev- any given moment. Uh, and and that's what that's what this team is lacking at this point. Um, that not everybody is on the same page at the same time. They all yeah, may but, understand it, but they all aren't on the same page at the same time. Yeah, so I wanted to get uh, Wesley's opinion about yeah, absolutely. You said something very interesting that would uh, upset a lot of Spurs fans, especially on Spurs Twitter. You said something that I've seen. And I know a, a lot of uh, Spurs analysts have seen. But as you said, to the untrained eye, to the naked eye, just the casual, everyday fan, Lonnie Walker does not get to the, the spots that he needs to be in consistently. He still has some growing he needs to do. And you said he wasn't ready yet. I said that exact same phrase because I was referring to the exact same thing that you just finished stating, Roy. And Spurs fans were coming at me. They were quite upset. They were saying, you're mean that Lonnie Walker isn't ready for the NBA. I said, I didn't say he wasn't ready for the NBA. If the Spurs <laughs> didn't think he wasn't ready for the NBA, he wouldn't have been drafted. What I'm saying right. is pump your brakes because he's not ready to be inserted into the starting lineup and be this superstar caliber player that we all know, you know, at some juncture, he has the potential to become. He's just not ready for that at this point in time it doesn't mean that he's never gonna be ready or he's gonna aspire to that at some juncture in the future it's just not happening at this point in time so given that wesley what do you see in this young lonnie walker well i agree with with both of you i mean i think he's uh, he's a he's a ball of energy uh he's he's a player who his game is just on the horizon you know we we know very little of what he can do, we get little flashes of it every now and again. Uh, actually, against these against these very Denver Nuggets in that big blowout at, towards the end of the regular season, <laughs> yeah. you, you saw that massive windmill dunk, and you saw the the reaction from the the Nuggets bench. Right? I mean, even yeah. they were like, "Holy cow!" So you know, I love the I, slow motion on, on that. Oh, uh, by the way, you saw gosh. everybody's jaws just drop and yeah. their eyes get big. They're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, and and to me. I mean, the, the sky is the limit, no pun intended. It, it, it really is going to be fun to watch him develop. But I kind of think this, this whole discussion is kind of a microcosm of what the Spurs are right now. You have a bunch of young guys who are learning how to play this game uh, at a playoff level. And then you have a bunch of older veteran guys who have been here. Uh, some have had a, a lot of success and some have had meager success. And so it's kind of interesting to watch. If, if, if you kind of t- put aside the angered fan perspective for a second and just look at it think about how many different types of 
backgrounds and different types of, of experiences there are on this playoff squad. Now you could say that about the Nuggets and say, well, the Nuggets are just super inexperienced, and they are, but they're all experiencing it for the first time. Whereas the Spurs team, you know, you don't know what necessarily to expect because I'm not sure they know what to expect. You know, there's the veteran leadership, there's, but then there's the young guys. You're counting on some of these younger guys to come in and fill these these voids. And you know, on on nights that they're not producing, would a would a Lonnie Walker, you know, for maybe a five minute burst, be a good choice? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think any kind of energy sometimes, especially when you see that that energy lacking, that could be a good thing. Or that five minutes could cost you dearly uh if again if like like roy said and like you said joe if, if he's not in the right spots and he's not you know in the in the correct place to to make a play for himself or his teammates in a in a playoff series such as this that hangs in the balance it really i mean it could it could potentially cost the team my, my thing here is just really at this point i think pop knows the differences between when a team is off when their level of intensity is off versus you know when when a team's just not working and I, I kind of feel like it's more of just the balance of things are a little bit off right now. The ball, I mean, let's let's put it bluntly. When the ball's not going in the hole, it's really hard to play and feel confident. And, you know, you just find these shooting slumps sometimes with the Spurs team where the ball doesn't go in the hole. We saw those those games like we did with against Toronto at home where, where the ball just never seemed to not go in the hole. And, you know, I, I just think it's going to be somewhere in between. I, I have a feeling you're going to see a much better shooting uh, night from the Spurs come tomorrow night. And I, I just think that it comes, it's going to come down to defense and how they close out on some of those shooters that for Denver who are now very confident. Yeah, I'm going to point out something that I've observed throughout this entire series. And that's the way that the Denver Nuggets are able to disrupt the Spurs offense. And the Denver Nuggets are playing a modified version of the 3-2. And what they do is that they play this 3-2 to perfection. And they modify it because they, they play the 3-2, but what they're doing is that they're kind of clogging the paint. And they're trying to take away the Spurs perimeter shooting, specifically the three-point shooting. And what happens a lot of times is that the Spurs come down the opposite end of the court. The Nuggets go into the 3-2. And right away what happens if DeMar DeRozan has the ball in his hand, they come out with a double team beyond the three-point line, beyond the arc. And that seems to disrupt things a little bit because it takes him at least a second or two to, to get away from the defenders. And then he has to try to look for an open man or trying to, you know, he's going to go ahead and pass the ball. But what they're doing is they're also trying to get, of course, Derek White out of the game as well. And if they're able to double and triple team and kind of disrupt that aspect of the game, it does affect the Spurs from an offensive standpoint because your point guard is Derek White for all intents and purposes, and he's going to facilitate uh, where the ball's going to go. You know, where where is he going to go ahead and pass this ball to try to get this offense going? Or is he going to be aggressive and take it to the rim and, and try to get to the free throw line or, or get an easy, you know, two, whether it be a dunk or layup or a 10 to 15 foot jump shot. But I think in that regards, I think the Denver Nuggets have really keyed on to something there because it seems like at times that 3-2 zone that they keep throwing at the Spurs is something that really is a thorn in their side. Uh, what do you think that the Spurs are going to have to do to combat that 3-2 zone, especially in this pivotal game five? We'll go ahead and start uh, with you, Roy. What do you think that Spurs need to do? You know, I, I think, again, it goes back to 
everybody being on the same page. And where if Murray sees the double team coming, he knows exactly where that ball's going to go, and he knows that somebody's going to be there rather than guys just kind of standing around or taking a half second too long to get to that spot where by that point that double that double or triple team pressure has just left him with very little options uh, to, to move the ball. Uh, and so that ball has to be moving quickly, you know, pass, give and go, whatever, whatever you need to do, you, everybody has to be on high alert that they need to be in their particular spot at that given moment. They have to be able to spot not just Murray bringing up the ball, but the other players need to know or recognize when that double team is coming and you've got you know, the double switch from, from uh, baseline to baseline, uh, uh, you know, a guy cutting back out to the, uh, to the elbow on the three uh, to give uh, Murray that outlet. Uh, and so it, it's got to be reads. It, it just has to be those offensive reads uh, that uh, you, you put a lot on Murray, on, on uh, Derek White this year. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I kept saying Murray. I, I'm referring to White. Uh, put a lot of pressure on 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 White this year to run that point, and it's kind of been a you know uh, on the job training for him, and he's done a, a exceptional job at running that point. Um, and so the team needs to recognize when White's in trouble, when that double team is coming, when that triple team is coming, and help him immediately uh, so that the ball is moving around and. Uh, you know, that double team is going to create somebody who's open, uh, but they've got to be in the right spot. That that man is going to get the ball. And at that point, you've got somebody that's already able to cut to the basket and and you you're going to score. Uh, if it's red, right. Uh, Any time that a double team comes, uh, somebody is going to be open. That That's math. Simple math. Somebody's open. Uh, and if you've got your cutter to the basket uh, as that open man, you know, but again, it takes five guys all being on the same page at the same time. Yeah, I believe that the Spurs will rectify that and they'll be in better positions to, you know, th somebody has to move without the ball, you know, and that's really what it boils Absolutely. down to. You know, you see the mismatch, you see that your man has left and is going for the double or triple team. You need to move without the ball and you need to start moving uh, to the rim, you know, you need to be aggressive and, and not be so tentative, you know, don't don't hesitate. If you see that mismatch happening, you need to react to it. And I think that's the thing is that the Spurs kind of have been a little bit hesitant and that slow reaction time has caused them uh, to get out of sorts and not capitalize on those opportunities. But moving forward, Wesley, what do you see as the keys to victory for this pivotal game play for the San Antonio Spurs? Well, I think it's a couple of things. One, I, I think they have to have the urgency and the physicality. Uh, they, they've got to be courageous and step up and uh, shoot with conviction. Uh, there, you know, there's no other way to put it. They've got to believe that when they put that ball up, they've got to trust that they've, they've practiced putting that ball up from you know, the elbow or from the three-point line or wherever, and, then, and it's going to go in. And if it doesn't, that they don't let it affect them, that they go back and take the next clean shot. 
you know, um, Sean Elliott says this quite a bit on his broadcast. You know, you, you'd rather have a, a look at a shot, even if it's a bad shot, versus a turnover. And more often than not, you know, when the Spurs are, are making poor decisions, as, as both of you have alluded to, uh, you know, they lose kind of their way of just trying to find a, a good shot. And, and lately, I think we've seen it, especially in the last couple of games, where good shooters on, our, on, on the Spurs squad have started to pass up shots that they normally would take. Uh, so I think that's number one. I think it's, you know, they've got to be aggressive. They've got to be bold. They've got to be in there to be ready when it's their turn. Uh, and as, as, you know, obviously, as, as Roy was just talking about, they've got to be in the right positions. You've got to help those that are getting double teamed. You've got to make sure that you, you put them in a position where they can pass out of it and make a quick decision uh, and make a good decision. On the defensive side, I, I think it's a twofold thing. It's some of the stuff that we've been talking about. It's Number one, you, you can't lose sight of man and ball. Uh, I know that's very, very old school and cliche, but that's still number one goal. Uh, I, too often than not, you know, the simple swing passes are getting wide open looks. And I think that's just part of it. They've got to be aware that that second and third pass is going to be where the shot comes from. And so closing out is going to be key. You know, you know, getting them to step inside. Would you rather have them take a long two after they got contested and move off that three point line? I sure would. Um, and, and obviously, to me, the biggest key of this game is going to come down to rebounding. Uh, if the Spurs get killed and give up the second chance opportunities that they did in, in game uh, four, I, I think you're going to see Denver pull away in this game. Uh, they've got to shut down those opportunities. Yeah, definitely. So on that note, do you all have any uh, predictions as far as the final score? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think this is going to be one of these highly uh, contested games where it's going to be low scoring or do you foresee that this is going to be all offense where it's going to reach into maybe the 110 117 range what are you thinking Roy yeah uh you know we we've seen them them stay in the in the low hundreds um I guess pretty much the whole series I'm, I'm trying to think of of the scores um off the top of my head, I don't have them here in front of me, but uh, you know, I, I think both teams are, are going to come out firing. That, that I think both both teams want to um, want to set uh, the tone early, um, and whoever's hitting those shots early, um, you know, as as Spurs fans, obviously, you'd like for it to be the the, the Spurs to to set that tone. Um, like Wesley was saying, is is a good thing to build a double digit lead. Who knows at this point? But uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, I I call it a you know I I I call it a fifty fifty um, Spurs can um, game out. I think they can win in Denver uh, if if they can hold Denver to. 105 or less, I think it's a win. Um, but it's going to take that that defense that we've seen glimpses of uh, in the latter part of the season and a couple of games uh, here in this series. And if they're on defensively, the offense will take care of itself. I I I rarely worry about the Spurs offense. Because the yeah. points will come, especially if the defense is doing its job and you're getting you know, some fast break points or you're able to just get into a rhythm where, you know, where, you're, where you're 
you're able to create that offense and have Denver on their heels. If you let Denver set uh, for you know uh, their defense, uh, it becomes more of a challenge. But if you hold them to uh, 105 or less, uh, I think Spurs come away with a victory, and I think they hold court in Game Six. Oh, there you go. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and read the scores. Game one, final score: Spurs win 101 to 96. In Game two, that's when the Spurs. Uh, let Denver right back into this game. And the final score was Denver 114, Spurs 105. In game three, the Spurs were here at home and they won by a final score of 118 to 108. Mm -hmm. And in the pivotal game four here that they dropped on Saturday, the Nuggets win against San Antonio Spurs, final score 117 to 103. Mm -hmm. So game five tomorrow, Wesley. What do you think, high scoring or low scoring? Um, I think if the Spurs really want to have a chance to win this game, it's going to need to be in the in the. I, I agree with Roy. It's going to need to be in the in the mid 100s. I, I think if they're giving up above 110, especially, it's going to be pretty hard for them to win. Um, I, I just I think the Spurs have enough offensive firepower. And I listen. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if this game comes out to be a shootout, and we finally see the Spurs team step up and hit three pointers and hit shots that we know they're <laughs> capable of making because yeah. they're due. I mean, to be honest, absolutely. It's, it's really as much as they struggled that we're, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of lucky to be up, you know, to be up two to one and now tied two to two, because at this point, you know, you, you look at the, the statistics and, and what Denver's scoring, how many points they're scoring a game. And you think, well, the Spurs are going to lose every time. And, um, but I do, I, I do think it's just, maybe it's just a gut feeling. I think the Spurs win game five and I agree with Roy. I, I picked him in six. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I just don't know if this young Nuggets team is battle tested enough when they're going to go home on their home court, the pressure's back on them now to hold serve. If they're going to be able to do that. And don't forget the last time they were at home, their crowd was booing them on multiple occasions. And I, I while I don't think we're going to see that again, you know, it's, there's still a little bit of uncertainty that can be exploited in this young team, especially if the Spurs come out with the appropriate uh, the appropriate fear, uh, and if they come out with the urgency and the physicality and take the game at their pace. I agree with that point. Another thing is, you know, I had picked the Spurs to win in seven. I'm still going to stick to that because one thing that the Denver Nuggets have not learned, and this is a young team, that closeout game is one of the hardest games to get. You have to play through a lot of adversity because when you're trying to close somebody out, it's like a wounded animal. They're backed in a, into a corner and they're going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at you, you know? And I think that's one of the things that the Spurs have against this Nuggets team as far as that mentality or that knowledge is that they know how hard it is to get that closeout game. You know, we have some veterans here who have won a championship. So they know all about that in Patty Mills and Marco Beninelli. So I think that plays into the Spurs' favor. I believe that the Spurs are going to be able to win this pivotal game five on the road. And I do see it going, you know, in about the maybe the 118, 121 point range. I think the Spurs are going to be able to hold Denver to maybe 105, 108 points on the night. And the Spurs are, are going to get the win. I, I really don't see them winning by more than maybe five or six points. You know, I think it's going to be a really close game. But the Spurs are going to do enough things that they need to do down the stretch uh, to pull this win out. And I think they're going to win it on the free throw line. I really do. I think in the final 
you know, two minutes, I think we're going to see the Spurs getting to the free throw line quite often. And I think that's where they're going to wind up winning this game. So I'm, I'm excited about it and I'm scared, scared at the same time. I think everybody is, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to some free coffee really at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, I, I don't have a, who, who is it now? Sir? Uh, it's a quick trip is offering quick free trip. coffee. Yeah. I don't have yeah. a quick trip near me. So it's like, some of the yeah, McDonald's are offering free coffees, but you have yeah. to go to uh, the Spurs zone because our friend uh, Jeff Garcia wrote an article about that. And it, it gives you the locations around town where you nice. can get your free coffee after a Spurs <laughs> win. So you got to uh, have the coffee for sure. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Wesley's partial to Bill Miller's, even though that's some pretty nasty coffee, Wesley. But that's his go to. Hey, they tweeted at me the other day. That's all I know. I was so happy. I thought there maybe, you go. Thought maybe they would open the door and go, okay, yeah, we'll join, but no. <laughs> so like you almost, we almost had you fooled, Wesley, but you still got to buy the coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we go ahead and end this episode of the Two Shots Podcast, I'd like to go ahead and give an opportunity for each one of you to go ahead and uh, let the people know where they can, you know, interact with you guys on social media. We'll start with you, Roy. Where can they find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Both of them are R A F L O six four. There you go. Make sure you go in to follow and like Roy. And, you know, if you want to talk some sports, I mean, he's your guy. So yeah. go ahead and hit Roy up on social media. And Wesley, where can they interact with you? Yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter at Wesley Perk. Uh, of course, I try to stay up on a lot of different things, but mostly at this time of the year, it's Spurs and uh, Game had of been Thrones. some Raiders. Oh, Game of Thrones. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that could be a whole Duh, other discussion. Don't even start. <laughs> it's getting good it's getting good it i've is. never watched a single episode oh man this is the season. I, I have to i have to tell you this roy i actually hadn't watched one until spring break and then i caught up all seven seasons i don't wow. know if that makes me a loser or not but i'll tell you yeah. what I, I couldn't stop watching it was so good i've, I've got i've got a 23 year old and a 19 year old and they say ah, it's just lord of the rings with sex <laughs> it's a this little bit true. better than that i gotta admit i've watched it this season eight has been outstanding you know somebody's fixing on getting died in this uh episode that'll be coming up in episode three Ooh, yeah. yeah i heard it i heard it might be the little guy yeah, yeah Ooh, man something's man. gonna happen man some things are gonna happen so i mean it's gonna be a a bittersweet thing because i think you know Everybody who's a big fan of this Game of Thrones series knows it's coming. You know, right. and they've already had a lot of moments. He's an angry they, elf. Yeah, <laughs> man. They've already had a lot of moments in these first two episodes, and some bad's about to happen, man. He's yeah. Like, it's going to be a heavy drinking night for for Game of Thrones uh, fans and a lot of uh, a lot of crying, no doubt. So, Well, it I, also it also combines my two favorite shows, right? You got The Walking Dead and you got the, you go. Game of Thrones. So you got the, zomb the zombies, the dead coming after the living. So there you go. There you go. So you can tell we're me and uh, Wesley are some Game of Thrones diehard fans here. Yeah. So we have to no, all right. put that in there somewhere. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know where you can uh, interact with me, you know, Joe Garcia, and the Two Shots podcast on social media. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At two shots, and it's all spelled out T W O S H O T S podcast. And you can also check out our new revamped website at two, the number two shots essay.com. So for Roy Flores and Wesley Perkins, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Two Shots podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>